Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Maine of Your Own with me, Linda Moyo, editor and hair vlogger through my blog, maineofyourown.com. And me, Claire Quonsa, aka Mumsomnia. Not quite a hair expert, but a fan of hair, identity and anything that gets people chatting. To be honest, I'm a bit of a hair junkie and it dawned on me that there really isn't a British podcast that covers all aspects of Afro hair. So I'm not just talking about natural hair, but the whole array of decisions and choices black and mixed race women like me and Claire make about our hair on a daily basis. But that doesn't mean that this podcast is just for black and mixed race women. No, and it's no coincidence that our first ever podcast is happening during Black History Month. To be honest, I've always felt that black history belongs to everyone, really, and isn't just exclusive to black people. We all need to embrace other people's stories and experiences, regardless of your hairstyle, texture, length or preference. We hope everyone will take something positive away from it. Yeah, exactly. And on a personal level, social media for me has had a huge impact on how I feel about my hair. It's given me much more freedom of expression and as a result made us all be more open and proud and honest really about the endless possibilities our texture of hair allows. In fact social media is where we actually met isn't it Claire? It is yeah so through the uh, underworld of instamums even though I hate that phrase we realised we had quite a lot in common so from just general chit chats about hair and sharing stories uh, you actually ended up doing my hair which did look amazing but then we had a really great conversation about our own hair and experiences and just wanted to continue that conversation and, and share it with other people so here we are with Maine of Your Own I think it kind of makes sense for us to kick off this week with a look at our own hair stories and, and why we feel Afro hair is more than just hair. Yeah, so let's do that. So I guess to start with, as this is a podcast and people can't actually see us, we need to really describe our own backgrounds and our own hair texture and maybe like what our hair is like right now. <laughs> um, you don't so, want to see my hair right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. So yeah, do you want to tell us about yours, Claire? So my hair, I guess people would probably describe it as 4C hair, um, so pretty, um, quite kinky Afro hair. Currently, I've just taken out the braids that Linda did for me, so washed it and put it into a big twists or a, or doo-doo twists as my husband likes to <laughs> likes to call them probably because of the way that they look <laughs> oh god yeah of course <laughs> Um, but this is, yeah, a bit more of a protective style. I'm going out this evening, so we'll take them out, hopefully, once they've had a bit of uh, moisture on them and the twist in, then I'm hoping that they'll look fabulous by this evening. So, like, what's your um, family's background then, like your parents? Where are they from? So, both parents are from Ghana. Um, so, yeah, that's my heritage. So, generally, our hair is quite quite coarse. I mean, I think compared to my siblings, actually, I've got fairly soft hair, so my hair is fairly easily easy to to manipulate and it, I can get it straight quite quickly and quite easily compared to my sister whose hair is much tougher much stronger hair my hair probably grows a bit more than hers it's probably a bit longer yeah I'd say that's probably where I am with my hair how about you so I'm mixed race so my mum is um, English born here um, in Yorkshire actually and my dad is from Zimbabwe 
and still lives in Southern Africa. So really their two hair types couldn't be more different mm. from each other. My mum's is really straight, really flat, really quite limp hair. It will grow, well, when she was a, a little girl anyway, it would grow really long, like down to her waist really quickly, you know, would get probably get greasy quite easily, yeah. that type of texture. And then my dad's is very coarse, tight, uh, African textured hair basically and neither of the two of them have got any mix in them that I know of I mean I know everyone's probably mixed somewhere if you went way way back (laughs) but as far as they're aware no like my mum's family are all from the British Isles and my dad's are all from the south 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 of, of Africa yeah so my hair really is a combination of the two although I've always felt that I'm more towards my dad because it's very thick very bushy it doesn't feel like it's bang in the middle. It's it's a lot sort of drier and coarser mm. than like sort of like nowhere near my mum's really in that sense. But it does grow very long. And I, you probably find this too, and perhaps a lot of our listeners would feel the same way, but I feel like I've got about 15 different types of texture on my head. All on the one head, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so like at the back, kind of in the middle, it's really, really quite tough. And that's where if I left it, it would just naturally go mm. into dreadlocks if it wanted, you know, it just would. Whereas the front is a lot softer and sometimes can almost be tough to get to curl how I want it to. And then my favourite bit of my head is right underneath (laughs) the bit that no one can actually see, of course, which is the nape of my neck. And I always wish, why can't the nape hair be at the the front? front. (laughs) Yeah, because it's so soft and it's just a nice curl that it's sort of manageable and just always does what I want it to do. So in terms of like hair textures in like the number and alphabet system, I I just don't know what, what I am. No, I know what you mean. It's, My hair as well is a bit... Yeah. The front is definitely softer, smoother, whereas the back is definitely tougher. Yeah. I notice the difference when I'm washing it, when I'm combing it, everything. Exactly. So I just feel a bit like... I think that the, the hair texture system is a good kind of benchmark to use, but it is a, it's still a bit too general. Mm. I just think that's almost the beauty of our type of hair is that it's so unique to each yeah. person. Um so yeah, that's that's my hair type. And in terms of what my hair is like right now, so I'm one of these really annoying people that get bored really easily. So, you know, I saw you a matter of a few weeks ago, my hair was just out, <laughs> I think it was. And now it's in plaits, which I did about a week ago, quite thick chestnut box braids uh, about down to my waist. It took me about four hours to do. And literally the day after I did them, I was like, I'm ready for something <laughs> different. <laughs> So it's like this and probably in a week it will change. But, you know, hey-ho. I wish I could do my own hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. And maybe this is a future pod because I think it's we've got that type of hair, which for me, I didn't. I just don't feel like I had a choice. If I didn't learn to do my mm. own hair, it would be a very, very expensive life. <laughs> <laughs> so this is probably a good time to introduce the first of two very, very, very special guests today. I had a chat with my mum, Helen, and here's what she had to say about my hair story. Hi, mum. Hi, babes. (laughs) So obviously you had me, a mixed race baby in the early 80s. What was that experience like for you having a daughter with totally different hair to you? Because obviously your hair is very straight. How was that? Well, Before you were born, I don't think I really ever considered it. I hadn't really thought about it. But when you were born, you were born with straight hair. And I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Beautiful, brown, straight hair. And I think I expected it to stay like that because 
I didn't know at the time. And then as you got older, it became more frizzy, more coarse. It was extra frizzy in one patch at the back. And how did how did people react? I think most most people I came across didn't really say anything, or if they thought it, they didn't say it. There was one occasion at nursery when a girl who worked there, a junior girl, she said that she referred to you as the girl with the woolly hair, which I wasn't too pleased about. She probably didn't think anything of it at the time, but I don't know. I just found it a bit offensive. Um, and so, obviously, I know you... I remember you learnt how to do my hair yourself, but were, were there any times where you decided to maybe take me to a hairdresser? Because, obviously, we, we don't know how to cut hair, so did you have to take me to get a trim or anything like that? I did spend a lot of time on your hair, and I think I learnt it on the job, learnt to plait myself on the job. But when it was, like, a special occasion or, or say, a wedding or something, I would take you to maybe... Uh, not really a hairdresser's, but a black girl I knew who would do your hair so neatly in plaits, which was beautiful, and I always wanted to do it like that. I did at one point take you and have your hair permed just once. I think I thought that it would soften your hair, because I used to have perms. I thought it would soften that, especially that coarse bit at the back, and make your hair longer. But actually, it did make it longer, but then it all shrunk back up. And thinking about it now, it would probably be quite damaging to your hair. I wouldn't do that Oh, please forgive me. <laughs> also, I used to go to this, what we used to call the Indian shop, and they used to sell this blue magic grease, so I used to get that and put that on your hair because I didn't want it to be dry. I remember there was a, another girl at your primary school, a mixed-race girl, and she had really dry, light brown hair, and her mum never seemed to do anything with it, and I didn't want you to look like that. What was it like generally at school? Obviously, because... You know, your kids have got to kind of look neat and mm. and tidy. I remember doing your hair on a Sunday. Every Sunday evening after ironing your school uniform, I would do your hair, spend ages doing it, plaiting it in rows, putting it in a little ponytail. And then by the Friday, you'd look like a sort of sunflower with all the bits sticking out. <laughs> also, if you went swimming at school, that was a nightmare. And also, I used to do ballet on a Saturday, and when you had your ballet exams, ballet and tap, you had to have your hair in a bun like all the other white girls, and they had like this little hairnet thing that they put over the top of the bun to keep it smooth. And I remember putting this little hairnet over yours, and all these bits stuck out, it was awful. And I sprayed your hair with my hairspray, and I put so much on, and afterwards... I took the thing off and your hair was just in that position. It was all crispy. <laughs> had to wash your hair, which you didn't really like. Yeah, I guess um, that's probably why, well, I remember having plaits the majority of my childhood. And I guess that's because it was just a lot easier and a lot neater. And I remember obviously spending a lot of time sitting there having my hair plaited. And likewise, me plaiting my doll head because obviously I was copying you. So was that was that important to you that I was kind of learning as you were doing yeah and it, it brought about a closeness which I think people miss these days of technology when they've all got the mobile phones and things they don't spend time doing the children's hair enough you're spending time shaping the person's life not just sort of shaping their afro yeah no exactly because I remember idolizing the pop stars at the time and they you know there was really very few who were like me or had hair like me. It was all Kylie Minogue and um, it wasn't really until the Spice Curls came out and it was Mel B, but that was when I was a teenager anyway. I think I I feel like I didn't really like my hair when I was a kid 
and there wasn't really much that you could do about that other than try your best to look after it with the hope that eventually, you know, yeah, I could take care of it myself and understand it. So I think that's really, really good. I mean, what advice would you give to white mothers of mixed race kids with Afro hair now? These days, I would say, make sure they've got plenty of role models. Like, as you said, Kylie Minogue, for example, was the pop star of that time. And you'd have posters on your wall. And I used to think, I used to feel a bit sad about that. And I always made sure you had dolls that were black, like Amelia. Yes, yes, I do. (laughs) Um, And I would just say, have positive role models for your children. These days, they've they've got, for example, loads of things online. You can look online. Look up anything to do with hair. There's advice on how to plait, what products to use. There's a lot more shops around now, yeah. a lot more black hairdressers. Yeah. I hear uh, still a lot of like white mothers sort of saying, oh, it's, it's unmanageable or it's, it's, it's too knotty or that kind of thing. And I, and I think actually they should probably go with the approach of, well, it's not like my hair, but that doesn't mean that it's difficult. It yeah. just means that it's different. So... Yeah, They should spend time with the children doing the hair and practice and practice and practice. Probably people don't have as much time these days through work and just other things, but they need to be confident. I mean, you had that child, so especially girls, you need to keep on top of the hair. Yeah, and look after it. Yeah. Mum knows best, hey? Well, that was my mum, and now we've got Claire's mum, Liz, giving her thoughts just wanted to have a chat with you really about your experiences of having two girls back in the 80s with natural hair what was it like um it was very difficult really because it was always difficult to find products that would make the hair manageable especially for school and um at the same time when all their friends had easy going hair if the friends stayed at yours they got up in the morning they had a shower they brushed their hair and they're off and your your two girls every time they saw the brush or the comb they start crying because um, <laughs> just managing the hair was a nightmare and you always have to do something to it are you going to twist it are you going to plait it are you going to comb it was always very difficult and then a lot of the products you couldn't even get them from where you live you have to sort of find out where you can get go to get a particular product. Yeah. And then half of them, they were either too greasy or, you know... Not child, greasy enough. <laughs> or not greasy enough for the child. They didn't want it on their hair um, and so on. So it was pretty difficult. And But then the worst thing I remember was that, you know, you spent hours washing the hair, trying to plait it or do something with it. And then they'll go to school on a Monday morning and school would take them swimming. <laughs> And I'm like, the school, and obviously teachers don't have any idea. So I remember um, you getting really annoyed Me about getting that. a little bit vocal, would go to school and say, have you got any idea how long it takes me to sort their hair out? And then they take them swimming. And of course, they go swimming, they get in the water, and it's Monday morning. So they come home, the hair's a mess. And then you've I think got that to might be why I don't like swimming. It's that, <laughs> the I, memory of it being such an issue. I think, I think even though it wasn't the child's fault that they've got swimming in the morning, from you, the parent's point of view, especially when you're a working parent and you spend hours on a Sunday afternoon or evening doing their hair, you would like to think that that hair is going to look neat and tidy for the rest of the week. But Afro hair and water just means all crinkly and going tight and, you know, the child's face looking like um, they've got nobody to look after them. <laughs> 
So, so that was, you know, something that really bothered me. Um, and I used to go to school and speak to the teacher. And of course, um, it wasn't the teacher's fault, really. I was just <laughs> voicing out my frustration with the girls looking a mess. So that was one thing. Um, and then from the girls' own point of view, um, it used to upset them that their hair could not look nice like everybody else's hair all the time. Um, so, for, and from the parent, it was a challenge trying to make their hair look nice. And of course, um, in those days, girls didn't have their hair cut short. So they, they think if you cut the hair short, then they look like little boys, which they didn't really want to look like. They wanted to have nice hair like everybody else. So the 80s and girls and sort of Afro hair out was not the easiest thing to do. You try not to resort to having, you know, products that are, um, you know, chemicals on the hair. But um, yeah, some people did, but occasionally if there was a, a wedding or something, then you felt almost obliged to take them to the hairdresser to have these fancy things put on yeah. their hair um, to make their hair softer and, and, and for them to look nice for the occasion, which deep inside me irritated me a bit because I, I personally um, I don't like that kind of thing um, but then I felt that sometimes you did it just because it was the easiest thing to do. So thinking about on the conversation of, of chemicals and putting chemicals in your hair obviously I remember my sister having her mm-hmm. curly perm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What may, At what point did you think that it was okay for her to do that? Well as I'm saying it was a bit of um, no matter how strong and principled you think you are, sometimes you get to a stage where um, without being conscious of it, you are influenced by what is going on. And also you don't really want your children to feel left out because children are cruel. They tease each other. They laugh at each other. So you find that, you know, even though you think you don't particularly like it, it's against your principle. You You find yourself because you want them to fit in. So in fact, I remember uh, my eldest daughter, she's got really, really strong Afro hair. I remember the hairdresser saying how much stuff he had to use for her, for her hair to remotely yeah soften it soften <laughs> soften it. You know, um, and and sometimes you did those things because while you wanted your kids to fit in, and two, it it, it did make the hair easier to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you had the time again, do you think you you'd do it again? I think I think. Um, now, if if we had the products around that we've got now, and we know we're near solving the problem, I mean, yeah. we're getting there, um, then there would actually be no need to do that at all whatsoever. Because I think what delights me now is that uh, natural hair is coming back. Because yeah. as you know, I like natural hair. That's why I've got it on my head. And there isn't anything on earth that will make me have a weave, a wig... <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing. Even if I'm the only black woman in the whole of Manchester, <laughs> nobody is making me. Uh, and it's quite, I, I would do it. I mean, I would not do it. If we have the products now, what I'll probably do is spend more time trying to convince my daughters that, do you know what? That looks great. And you just need to walk out with your chin up and your chest up. You know, so so I think, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be putting chemicals on any child's hair because I wouldn't even do it to my own hair now. And, you know, I have done all sorts of things to my hair before. But um, I do like the natural. I think it's a way forward. I think we should embrace it. I think we should encourage more young people to, to like their hair, to trust their hair and, and, you know. So do you think that young people still these days are under a lot of pressure 
to have to maintain you know, or conform to a certain yes look. Do you, I, think, I, do you think it's improved compared to maybe back in the eighties? I, I think I think it is it's improved and it hasn't. I think there are two two groups of young people. I guess that there's one group who still believe that you know the hair has got to be flowing and long for you to look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of young people like that who have what I will personally define as bad weaves. You know, you, uh, terrible things on their heads, like baskets. And, and But then they, they, they genuinely, honestly believe that... <laughs> Sorry. That, genuinely, honestly believe that for you to be described as being beautiful, you need to have long, <laughs> flowy, soft hair. Uh, and I'm hoping that as time goes... And I don't blame them because that is what society has, has, has told, um, yeah. told us. And a lot of people have fallen for it, you know. But at the same time, what delights me now is that I'm beginning to see more and more young people um, going for the going for the natural and doing interesting things with it, and that excites me. Um, you know, when I see young people with natural hair, twisted or plaited or cut short or shaved off or you know a bit of color put on it, and I I just find that exciting. So I think yes, I guess we should all have a choice, but I get I, I think we should have a choice, but I think more young people being confident about choosing the natural hair. Yeah. That's excite me. I mean, I've had natural short hair for about seven about years, years now. now. Yeah. And and what I found interesting was the different um, responses Reactions. people had. Yeah. I mean, a lot of women I know my age said to me, you're very brave. And I kept thinking, very brave? What's, what's brave about a middle-aged black woman having short hair? But think that's almost like a historic kind of... Um, a learnt message around short hair. Yeah, I think I think there was something around um, at the time. A lot of them thinking being glamorous, being glamorous and being fashionable as a black woman meant having either relaxed hair or a weave down your back. Yeah, and, and I actually remember somebody. Somebody's husband actually asking me. They thought I was ill, which is why I, I cut my hair. And I said, "Oh no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine." I thought it was a choice. I I chose to cut my hair, and um, and then she said, "Oh, he said to me, um, you could easily have got a wig." So <laughs> so I said to him, "You can go and ask your wife to get a wig, but this one here ain't getting no wig." So just look at. It. I said, you, "I said it's okay. You know, I'm not your wife. So if you want your wife to wear a wig, you don't want her to have short hair." But what is interesting is seventy years down the line, guess what? She cut her hair. <laughs> so who's on trend? So you're a trendsetter. You're a trendsetter. So obviously the people you said the people that were similar ages to you, your generation, mm-hmm. were all a bit mm-hmm. shocked or thought it was brave or very different. Mm-hmm. How do you think that other people reacted to maybe kind of my generation and, and younger I, I people? I think I think I think I had more positive positive responsive from younger people. Yeah. You know, they said things like, oh, you know, um, it shoots you, you look young, you're on trend, you're a trendsetter. Oh, I hope I hope my mum will do the same. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. So I think more young people, well, I, I guess I got more positive responses from younger people than I did. Um, you know, and, and what is what is nice to see that now, if you look around, there are a lot of more middle-aged black women with short hair. True, that's true. If you look around now, um, you know, there are more now, more people now. So let's keep it going. It's it's a choice thing. And I think we should just try our best not to be 
controlled by anybody to conform to a certain look because it doesn't matter i think it doesn't matter i think okay those who want a weave let them have a weave but please ask them to have decent weaves <laughs> so okay so let's go back again oh, to the 60s 70s mm-hmm. we don't need to talk about your age unless you want to but well then i'm 65 and a half <laughs> <laughs> but back then obviously aside from the wigs mm-hmm. big afros were very very popular mm-hmm. how did you how did you look after your hair what did you do because there were i imagine there were lots of yeah. tricks and things yeah. that people yeah. did which might not ever be done now but what type of things did you do to look I, after your I hair think, i think the worst the worst thing about the afro wig was that to be honest you you neglected your hair yeah because you know you can always look nice when you walked out of a building yeah. that you neglected your hair however you know um we used to resort to plaiting it with with thread like like our parents did to us yeah. when we were little or we used to, to have stretch it. to stretch it and we used to have um um china bombs we used to call it twist it yeah. twist it into twos and twist it round or you should just have single plants but then most people if they were honest their hair was always a mess under the wig you know we used to shampoo it with whatever you can get your hands on and put a bit of you know oil or something on it and then stick the wig on because it make you look nice so really i do think that a lot of people a lot of us did neglect our mm-hmm. hair simply because you know you could look nice without worrying too much a lot of things about hair i guess we didn't really know about black people used to be scared of having their hair cut it was like they see the scissors <laughs> and they run and and i think and i think part of that was because the hair took so long to grow that if anybody said to you actually if you trim your Just hair regularly yeah. uh, it grows you think but i don't want to see that pair of scissors <laughs> you know so i think that a lot about hair that we didn't know then um we used to when we wanted to look really nice with natural hair we used to straighten our hair with this hot comb and you used to um it's a metal comb where yeah. you can either put it on on um you know live fire and then when it's hot <laughs> you rub it off with newspaper wow. put a bit of grease you know dax pomade or vaseline or something on your hair vaseline and then and then comb it out and then you had straight nice hair. straight hair but the thing is afro hair as soon as water goes on it guess what you Shrink. go back to kinky um but then as we got better at in late 70s with the same comb but we had electric ones Ooh. so we thought we were really with it then you plugged it in as opposed to putting it on the live fire, fire. So dangerous. You <laughs> you plug it in, and and if and then when it's hot, you use it to straighten your hair. In fact, I remember did doing my daughter's, and I think I bent the back yeah. of her neck, and she was crying. I just told her to just shut up, because you know you can't look nice without a bit of pain. Be quiet. Just get on with it. <laughs> no pain, no gain. But but, but but I mean, nobody does that now. Nobody because I think those were the days before all the chemicals that you could use to relax your hair. So. You know the hot comb. I've seen one in the shop. It though. is mad, isn't it? The idea yeah. that, like, you're literally that's frying hair. Of you're course. using heat yeah. and oil yeah. <laughs> to just make your hair yeah. straight. Make your hair. Uh, the when the comb burns, them instead of being, um, you know, sensitive, just told them to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting hearing from your mum, Claire. Back to us now. What was it like for you, Claire, when you were younger? Growing up in the 80s, obviously, I mean, I grew up in South Manchester and not many black children were at the school that I went to. I had my, you know, coarse Afro hair. I think my mum did a good job of trying to maintain it. It was the typical, you know, Sunday evenings, having it washed 
combed with an inch of my life, greased within an inch of uh, my life. Dax was my best friend. And having it plaited or twisted and hoping that it would it would last the week. But I think for me, I, I quite enjoyed having my hair done um, a lot. It was my mum would do it or I had various aunties and things that would do my hair as well. I mean, I have one auntie who, um, she has three sons. So she loved the fact yeah, that she could do our sons. hair. You know, every time we were down visiting her, she'd get the comb out and she'd be doing lots of different styles, which was fun. Um I think as I got older, I started to embrace, you know, variety a bit more. At one point, I did obviously want to get my hair relaxed, which didn't happen for quite a few years. I think well, what I was point about... was that, roughly, um, like age-wise? Probably, I'm trying to think now. Was it sort of teenage? Maybe or... kind of pre-teens, but because I've got an older sister, so it's probably a case of when she got... I mean, my sister had a curly perm. Yeah. Like when she was probably about 16 and I thought that was amazing. That was, you know, full on soul glow kind of yeah, <laughs> look. Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant. That's so really always interesting. always looking up at her. Because my I've, I've got a sister as well and she's six years older than me and she had exactly the same. Yeah. Like that kind of wet look. Wet perm. look. And she had it shaved up the back halfway. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> yeah. That was the look those days yeah. there. And I remember looking up to her and being like, oh my gosh, one day I need to have that hair. And all her friends had the had yeah. the wet look as well. Mm. Um, but I think by the time I got to that age, the wet look had kind of fizzled out a bit. Yeah. Um, I think people got sick of having grease patches around their neck. Well, and that's stuff. it. And then like spots on your forehead as yeah, well. For yeah, it wasn't good. So I got my hair, my hair was relaxed when I was about 15. 16 I think that's when it was relaxed I mean I'd had it straightened and you know with a hot comb and stuff before then but I think I was about 15 16 when I finally had it relaxed to be honest partly because I had a Saturday job so I thought I had the money to maintain it I don't think I did (laughs) (laughs) my mum had to pay for quite a few conditioning treatments um but that was quite I think I felt I looked amazing and really really glamorous yeah, because I had yeah. this straight hair and it would bounce and you know it would move that's it. it's like, the movement be, isn't yeah it? it's the yeah. movement and now I look back and think oh gosh yeah I've, I've somehow thought that I was something special because I did have relaxed hair but before that actually I don't think I ever really felt intimidated or belittled because I had afro hair I mean I I loved having you know big hair I remember loving Whitney Houston in the days when she had the big yeah. curly hair and everything. But hair length was something that I always aspired to. I think I was always about, I wanted long hair. Yeah, that seems to be a topic that comes up a lot when like I'm looking on social media about, and especially like the YouTube t- tutorials and stuff, it always seems to be about shrinkage and yeah. length retention. Yeah. Um, and we seem to have this like hang up about that really. And this issue of, is it that black hair doesn't grow as fast mm. or is it that it's damaged, it tends to be damaged from everything that we do to it. Yeah. So, And for me personally, my experience with relaxer was exactly that. I felt like my hair never got past, I'd say, like shoulder length. Yeah. And when I look back, I know that is because, and not to say you can't have relaxed hair mm. that is long, but I think for me, I just didn't know how to take care of that relaxed hair properly and it was breaking off. Yeah, I'm the same. I think about the first time I had my hair relaxed, it was it was really long. Yeah. And then you start to look back and think over the years, it got shorter yeah. and shorter and never really grew back down to that length again. And probably was because I didn't really know how to look after it 
properly. Yeah. Oh my- it's growing, but then it's breaking off. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Job done. Yeah. But actually it wasn't. And I probably wasn't, you know, educated enough or equipped enough to be able to look after it properly. That's it. And I think as well, like back to what we were saying about the kind of silky hair that moves, you know, in the wind, you kind of just don't want to put anything on it because mm. you want it to kind of be like that. And when we're using our greasy black hair products, that almost makes it static again. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that that's probably the problem, that the problem that I had anyway with my hair being relaxed. I was lucky in the fact that my mum learned how to do my hair because obviously as a white woman, she wouldn't necessarily know what to expect or how to deal with mm. my texture of hair. She taught herself how to plait it and care for it. So I was lucky in that probably about up to the age of about 12, so I think starting high school. So... She really took care of it and it got really, really long, um, like sort of down to my waist, really bushy, but long. I never didn't have it in plaits because it was just the only way really to manage yeah. it and keep it away, you know, because kids are busy playing and doing things. So I needed my hair to be sorted. So that was good. But then I basically turned into a teenager, went to a high school, which was pretty much all white. I think there was, I reckon there was less than five non-white children in the whole school me being one of them that was in Preston and it was fine I had a great time at school I loved it I didn't really have any problems but looking back I know that that kind of changed my perception Mm. on what looked good and there wasn't really anybody that I was looking at and thinking oh yeah that's like my type of hair and I want my hair like that I was actually looking at girls with very straight hair, very silky mm. hair. And, you know, the fashion back then as well in the 90s was to have the hair feathered. Yes. Or oh, like, yes. You know, have it like tied up with two bits pulled out the front. Yeah, and I'm that was to, not an option. No, I'm trying to pull these bits out <laughs> and the, these bits are like up in the air, you know, or they're shrunk <laughs> by the end of the day. It just wasn't working out. And then I'd like have my hair plaited and try and pull two plaits out like that was the same. And yeah. It just wasn't. And so in the end, I, I, I went the relaxer route. And once I was on that, path of relaxer I just couldn't get off it it's an addiction (laughs) which I'm sure a lot of people will identify with but I just yeah it's like what you were saying about it moving it feeling more manageable but at the same time as soon as those roots come back in you just can't wait to get more on you just I didn't like any of the sponginess Um, it's a commitment it is a commitment commitment. yeah and I remember we I had a hairdresser like I don't really still to this day don't really go to many hairdressers and I can count on one hand how many times I've been to an actual hairdresser (laughs) but back then I did used to have this lady who would come round to our house and relax mine and my sister's hair and she used to say you know she was very good very professional and she used to say if it feels hot on your head or if it feel feels burnt like it's burning tell me it must be time to take it off and i would sit there my head <laughs> on fire yeah we've all been there yeah just like oh just a bit longer because it'll get even straighter. hold on hold yeah, on hold yeah. on it's just so like bad looking back cuz obviously it is a chemical and it does have like a time limit that it should be on your exactly. head exactly but yeah, I would hold out until I literally couldn't bear it anymore for the straightest possible routes. And that went on then until I was 18, 19 maybe. And then it was at that that age that I decided I just don't know what my hair texture is anymore. Mm. I'm sure I could be doing more with it. And I would look around at other younger mixed race girls as well and see that they could do things with their hair. They could wear it curly and I couldn't. So I thought I would basically just give it a go and just grow it out and see what happened. And I basically started to grow the roots 
and slowly cut off the ends over a number of yeah. years rather than doing a big chop. And no, this was all me. before the hashtag natural hair movement. Yeah. So I kind of got there first in that sense. And it was the best thing I ever did, to yeah. be honest. And I think I did the same, actually. Decided I'm going to stop relaxing my hair, see what it's like to have my yeah. hair natural, but wasn't really sure about transitioning or whatever the term, yeah. you know, would yeah. be. So it was a case of just gradually trimming it, letting the natural hair grow. Um, yeah, I do, I'm a fan of braids, so I'd get it braided and stuff, but I didn't really know what to expect yeah what the end goal was really that's the thing isn't it because if you've relaxed your hair for you know five ten years. years you've learnt that that's your hair yeah when it isn't really and then when you get your natural hair back you're having to learn it all again and I think that's what it comes down to it's educating yourself on your own hair yeah and I think that that's where the fact that a lot of people are going natural now we're just sort of learning what we can do with it rather than trying to fight against it. Exactly. And I really like that. And I've learned loads over the years on how to manage my hair, whether it be plaits. You know, I wore weaves for quite a long mm. time whilst I was transitioning. And I love it all. I love the options. So so do I. And I think it's really positive that people do feel more comfortable now to embrace their natural hair. You know, obviously, fine people can still relax there have weaves or whatever but I just think it's good that people feel comfortable to to be in their own skin and to be in their own hair yeah totally would you think you'd ever relaxed your hair again do you know what I don't think I would no. I really don't think I, like I said to you um once that it always worries me that relaxer smells the same as hair <laughs> removal cream yes yes which <laughs> <laughs> to it me, is, that always does exactly, exactly. Um, and because of that fact, I can I don't yes. think I can ever put it on my head again. It's so true. And like we were saying, weren't we? Well, if you use hair removal cream like on your legs or something, you can see the hairs going yeah. straight. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what is that? We need to get a scientist on. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Don't want to scare anybody. But no, no. I mean that that's a good point as well. One of the things we were saying about this podcast was that we don't want it to just be all about natural hair because there are still loads of women out there and men, some men yeah. as well, who relax their hair and you know or perm their hair. And I think that it's a personal choice. Exactly. And if it works for them and they're happy and they're doing it because they want to and not because they want to feel like they fit in with exactly. a certain crowd, then that is absolutely fine by me. And I would love actually to have a conversation about with with someone that has relaxed hair that is strong and, you know, yeah. a length that they want it to be and they don't feel like it breaks off and find out how they do that. It exactly. would be really interesting. And that's what it's all about. It's about embracing an identity that works for you doing what's right for you, not trying to fit in or conform to what other people think you should look like. So another thing that we wanted this podcast to be is inclusive for everybody. I don't know about you, Claire, but I find I get asked some really random questions by <laughs> colleagues and strangers and oh, you know, yes. friends of friends. Even, I think it was actually this week, someone at work said... Oh, your hair's amazing. Oh, it looks so good. You know, the plaits that you've done, which is lovely for them to say. Mm -hmm. And then they said, do your arms not ache? And I, I thought to myself when they said it, I've been asked that so many times, do your arms <laughs> your not arms ache? ache? And I can understand, like, it looks like a lot of work. It looks like something that would be really tiring, I guess. But, yeah, it just sort of strikes me that there's a lot of questions that people have that don't have this hair texture. And equally, people that probably do have yeah. this hair texture and don't know how to do it themselves that I feel like we can cover on this podcast and 
dispel some myths Definitely. and uh, some sort of, like misconceptions about our hair and what it means to us, I guess. Definitely. I mean, even I remember growing up once going one day going to school hair short natural next day going in and I had long braids and someone was like oh my gosh what happened to your hair oh yeah and I cracked a joke saying I slept in fertilizer and they looked at me <laughs> as if to be like you know yeah. is she telling the truth like I'm not quite sure no how that's to take it that. it's it's the fine line between a joke and actually what can be real <laughs> But it is, and and just there's a disconnect there, and I don't know if is that because we've always been so secretive mm. about what goes on at home with our grease and our products exactly. and our our extensions and things, or is it I don't know, or is it just people not really thinking? I don't mm. know. When I have um, braids, like I've got now box braids, another question I get asked quite often is, "Oh, so is this all your hair?" Yeah. Even though they saw me with like shoulder hair. shoulder length hair <laughs> last week. And then they'll say, I'll say no, you know, because I'm quite open. And I'll say, no, no, this has got extension hair in it. And they'll say, well, where does the extension hair start? Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like... Why would the, you ask that question? At, it starts at the root. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but they seem to think like I've attached it to the end of my hair or something. And I just find it, I'm just like, how can you think that way? And, I, and then I, maybe it's just that, yeah, it is quite interesting but I think the point you made about being almost secretive about our hair is probably Mm. true because especially more so maybe when we were growing up you know we wouldn't be as open about the fact that you would have to grease your hair because again being in a school full of you know white people really you don't want to have greasy hair greasy hair is a bad thing so we'd never talk about having to put grease in our hair no um so it probably was a bit cloak and dagger and nobody really knew and it's one day your hair's like this the next day you've got totally different hair so So, true I remember actually lying about how often I washed my hair because I knew people didn't really they wouldn't know how to react if I said not very often not very often (laughs) (laughs) because they think that was dirty exactly exactly and and then I, I couldn't be bothered to explain why it was different for me because my hair didn't actually get greasy yeah but then hair would... washing is a process. It's yeah. like I have to book time yeah. in my diary to wash my yeah, hair. Exactly. Um, I remember at uni, friends would laugh when if I'd say, I'm not going out, I'm, I'm washing my hair. It wasn't even like, you know, oh, yeah. an excuse. It was like, sorry, Saturday night, you know, six till whatever time <laughs> I am washing my hair and doing a long yeah. process. And, and that's the way it is. Yeah. And I, I've said quite a lot along my sort of hair journey to people because they'll go, oh, you, but you spent 10 hours plaiting your hair. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. And I'm like, yeah, but once I've done those 10 hours, I don't That's have to it. touch it for about six weeks. Yeah. So if we divide 10 hours over six weeks, it's probably the same amount you spend brushing your exactly. long straight hair and washing it as well. Um, which, you know, because personally when mine's in braids, I don't really, I don't really get it wet. Um, at all water that's another issue (laughs) yeah water on the hair no thanks (laughs) but then you see I've I've been reading a lot about water's good for hair water's great exactly moisture and it does make sense yeah it makes sense but I definitely have spent my entire life fighting against the water definitely definitely Um, for years and years of my life water was definitely not yeah my friend but (laughs) again over the past couple of years as I've embraced my natural hair more you do realise that water is good for it you do need moisture and it makes such a difference to have softer hair I think there's definitely more information available to us now about looking after our hair because there are 
bloggers and instagrammers and youtubers who who talk about that more often i think it's there's definitely more information available to us to be able to learn so anybody who is thinking about changing their hairstyle has definitely got a bit more of an easier path i'd say to be able to do it rather than just basing it all on hearsay and rumors or what your what your old (laughs) aunties tell you yeah exactly and it's like it's similar obviously as we said before Claire and I, we met through the kind of mums networking thing and there's a little hashtag that goes around with that, which is uh, find your tribe. And I think this is the same type of thing. Like now we have an opportunity to find women with similar hair textures yeah. to us and see how they're managing it definitely in a way which is free and it's just open and honest and, and that's so different to how it used to be. Definitely. One of the things that I actually wanted to mention from the past actually was I used to buy um, black hair magazines because, you know, we didn't always have access to the internet. Mm. I think, I mean, probably a time when there was no internet <laughs> showing my age. So, yeah, I used to, like, get all these often, like, American sort of black hair magazines. And they'd be great, you know, they'd have great images, they'd have celebrities in there and, and different styles. But the styles were always weaves and wigs that were straight. Yeah. And... They never told you the first bit of that process, which is put the wig on your head. And then you can cut it and style it. it in, yeah. And then you can put all this stuff on it and you can use the tongs on it and the straighteners. They just sort of pretended like that was growing out of the woman's head. And I think it gave a really false image of these of these women and their hair type. And I remember being quite young and being like, right, so I can have straight blonde yeah. hair. And <laughs> Just you know, like that. And then I went and reached for a bottle of sun in and got my hair relaxed. And you know how damaging all that is, um, especially when you're a kid and you don't know what you're doing. So I think it's great that these days there is so much more advice and knowledge that is accurate out there. Um, and hopefully this podcast can be you know, a big part of that. We've got a list of topics, haven't we, that we want to talk about over these next this next series we have indeed but obviously if anybody's got any topics that they want to talk about or questions or you know tips that they want to share then we definitely want to hear them too yeah so you can get in touch with us actually to suggest future topics or tell us about your own hair stories using the hashtag main of your own and you can use that hashtag across all forms of social media so twitter instagram facebook whatever you want just reach out to us and let us know because we would love you know, for you to be as involved in this as possible because we have got so many different textures and hair types that we want to make sure we're providing information to everybody that wants to listen. And equally, you know, if you don't have Afro hair but you've got questions, then do do let us know. We'd be happy to answer all the questions, even even the ones that, that might seem crazy, like, <laughs> do your arms ache? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much to everybody for tuning in to our very first podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. We really look forward to hearing your feedback and hope you'll tune in next time. Thank you. Bye.